episode 470. You can't earn your way to wealth. Financial lessons for kids, teens, and us. With return guest, Chris Farrell. I'm back, baby. Yes, I missed you. I was trying to think, when was the last time we spoke? I I think it was about five years ago. Dude, that's insane, Adam. I know. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com forward slash masterclass, and you can get this completely free 45 minute training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader in under 12 months without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. Get an unfair advantage on the competition. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. This week, we're talking about financial freedom and how to really teach your kids and team how to get a handle on their finances. It's what can be quite a scary subject for all adults and children. So we've got Chris Farrell online. He's a popular in-demand public speaker, having worked with and spoken on stage with Brian Tracy, the late Dr. Stephen Covey, Gary Vaynerchuk, Robert Cialdini. It, the list goes on and on. More importantly, I interviewed Chris oh, but five years ago about Chris Farrell membership sites through his online training products have helped tens of thousands of people create and grow their online business. And he's one of the most respected and successful internet marketers in the industry today. That's what we spoke about in the first interview, which will be linked to this. This time, we're going to have a catch up and find out what he's been up to. But firstly, Chris, are you ready to awaken your alpha again today? Adam Lewis, you bet I am. I'm absolutely thrilled to be back here again. And I'm also, how can I just say, how many, this is like episode 77,942. You're like one of the most prolific guys I know. So it's a thrill to be invited back, Adam. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, or maybe I just don't know when to give up. I just keep going. Well, just I re- didn't want to re- say, but <laughs> some people might say, when is this guy going to stop? Never. Exactly. Else. So what have you been up to? Just give us a little summary. The last five years, because you were, you know, not you were, you are very much, you know, into the internet marketing, Chris Farrell membership site, smashing it in that arena. And uh, so your history is the radio. And so now this, you know, I couldn't have guessed the, you know, the financial freedom you know, focusing on kids and teens. So talk to us a little bit about the last five years. Oh, Adam, it's very nice of you to, to ask. Well, yeah, long story short, um, kind of one of the biggest changes I've had is I, I've actually relocated back to England from Los Angeles. So, uh, and that's, that's great and that's fun. So I'm here yeah, in the And UK you were there right 17 years, you were telling me. So. I was, yeah, so it goes fast. Doesn't seem yeah. 17 years, but yeah, so back in England and um, still in the online space, but I've kind of, um, if you like, I've kind of pivoted into teaching 
children and teens how to become financially smart i've got this 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 uh, kind of obsession if you like the fact that there's two things that are not taught in schools one of them is mental health which i'm equally as fascinated in and fr frankly that's a whole other conversation but yeah. happy to have the conversation about <laughs> that with you and the second thing is financial literacy really one of the, the main uh, challenges for most adults is um you know fear and scarcity when it when it comes to money i mean if you just look at the stats 95 percent of people are living in some sort of debt or scarcity and if anyone listening right now to this podcast is is feeling gosh you know money is a concern i really am worried i'm waking up anxious and stressed that's extremely common yeah. everybody is battling with something financially even people that you think aren't and so really the, the only way to really solve that long term is is through solving anything and it's to start with education education and, and educating so myself and a business partner a few years ago we were putting on events teaching adults about entrepreneurship and it became apparent that some of the adults that brought their their children and teens to the events it was actually the children and teens that were implementing the stuff uh, rather than you know a lot of adults we've we got limiting beliefs but children and teens are i'm generalizing a little bit are, yeah. are more open to doing something without sort of thinking well i couldn't do that i can't do this so it made us think we should maybe be sort of teaching a younger generation uh, laws and skills about um, making money, growing money, scaling money, investing money, giving back, impacting. Um, so that's really kind of how financial came to be to teach children and teens how to become financially smart. Yeah, awesome. I, I did wonder why you went into that sort of arena as well. And so the, the Chris Farrell membership site stuff, is that still going or what's the situation with that? Well, that's the wonderful thing about having an online business. It is, it is still going, yes. And uh, like a lot of online businesses, if you, if you put in the due diligence and the work to create something that can, can become evergreen, it really can become evergreen. So I'm not spending nearly as much time as I used to. Uh, but yes, it still ticks over and it, it, it's still there. And, um, and, you know, I still enjoy teaching people how to create an online business. But um, as I say, I wanted to kind of branch out and uh, expand my horizons and, and take on a new challenge, which is why teaching children and teens has been something that's been hugely rewarding for me, particularly when you see, I, I, um, I mean, with COVID, of course, at the moment, nobody's doing events, but a lot of events I was speaking at, you can see, and this might sound a little cliched, so forgive me, but you can see the white in the eyes of children and teens when, they, that when you're speaking to them, they really are hungry to change something in their lives or maybe in their parents' lives. And they, they sort of feel in their heart and their gut and their core that there's more that they can do, but yet they don't maybe have the environment at home or the guidance or, or a mentor to kind of to fuel that entrepreneur uh, fire underneath them, if you like. So it's really wonderful to kind of sit with kids and teens and say, you know what? Let's come up with a plan that the, the, you, the current situation that you're, you're in does not mean that that's how you're determined to go through the rest of your life. And uh, I don't know about you, Adam, but I struggled, you know, you, I, I had enough. I wasn't taught about anything about money at school. Were you? No, no, zero. No, exactly. and I, yeah, and I had definitely, <laughs> I didn't say I got rid of them all now, but definitely some money issues and mentalities of that, oh, you know, gosh, sort of the absolutely. negative stuff that gets pushed to you. And, you know, that yes. people who earn, yeah, people who earn good money, they're saying, you know, they've done something immoral to get there potentially. And there's certain absolutely. professions, yeah. And that's yes. Seeing the media as well. And I yep. actually actively, you know, when I was growing up in school, I was any job that I felt had a good financial like link to it. I was like, no, <laughs> they earn too much. I totally relate to that. I, yeah. Why do you think they, that? Do you think it's a religious undertone? What do you think it is that makes us think like that? I don't know. But yeah, I wanted to be a P teacher and a graphic designer. I thought that they're active and then, you know, I, you know, creative in that way. But 
yeah, I, I went away from anything that I thought had a good financial sort of, <laughs> I didn't think either of them get paid that well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what it was. And you still, you see it in movies as well. There's always someone who's, um, you know, quite, got quite a bit of money and then they've just kind of, they've done something, they're just not very nice people. And yes. so only, you know, it's, it's why, hey, it's always good to talk to people like yourself. And when it's only when you bump into you know, people who maybe, who are doing well financially, and then you're like, wow, they're not an asshole. Or, yeah. you, can, you know, it's the same thing. You can meet people who are, of course, you know, who maybe are struggling financially, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're nice. And I think sometimes that, that always, they kind of, you know, people try and link money to whether you're nice or not, which is. I think a lot of people will justify if they're struggling with money, they'll justify it by being, well, at least I'm a, you know, a, a good person. The two are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Some of the most rounded, spiritually advanced, uh, generous souls I know are also incredibly financially wealthy yeah. so you know it's not one or the other and this is really what we want to teach your children and teens that it sounds i almost hesitate saying this because it can sound a little bit cliche but if we if you essentially if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change i know that sounds a bit bit corny but it but it is true and if you've never kind of been um if you've never had somebody sit you down and tell you that as a young age that you know what you there the really is a path out from where you are. This applies to adults as well, mm. but it all starts with um, essentially identifying your limiting beliefs, identifying what your values are in life, uh, trying to identify if what you are spending your time doing day to day, if that's aligned to your values and all these sort of things that most adults don't even, don't even think about. So um, you, really, I, I say that financial freedom, what we do, the company's called financial freedom. We, we, teach children and teens to be financially smart but really our bigger goal is to empower children and teens to lead extraordinary lives we don't in fact and in that statement you'll notice there's no actual reference of money yeah. but what we do is we start by teaching how to become financially smart because something like finances for example is something that's very tangible you can actually see a result obviously by you know the pound signs or the dollar signs or the euros in your bank account so it's it's very easy to actually track something saying okay i've I've done this and I've got this amount of money. So it's very easy to, to track. But really our bigger goal, it's not just financial. It's, it's to, as I say, to empower children and teens to become, uh, to lead extraordinary lives. Because here's the thing, I think Jim Rohn, and you'll know this, um, Adam, because you, you know, you've been interested in personal growth for years, but I think Jim Rohn back in the day said something about, uh, I'm going to paraphrase this badly, but from memory, he said something like, you know, if you look after your finances, you're probably going to look after your health. If you look after your health, you're probably going to look after your relationships. So you actually become a slightly better person just by laser focusing in on something in your life. And in this case, we're talking about finances. And then once you, be, it's, it's not even really about making more money. Obviously, that's nice, but it's about who you become. You're, the, the increase in self-esteem and self-confidence that we see in children and teens, where they've implemented something that we've taught that has made a difference financially, you can't put, a, no pun intended, you can't put a dollar price point on that because it's not about the fact that they've made maybe a couple of hundred dollars doing something that we've taught. It's about the fact they kind of got this inner confidence, maybe for the first time in their life, that actually they are worthy of doing something great. And as I say, that self-esteem, you know, that's going to spill into your relationships, into your community, and you don't know, you know, the level of where that can go. So that's really what excites us the most. But we start by teaching how to get financially smart. That's kind of the, the beginning of the journey, if you like. Okay. And on that beginning of the journey, I see on your website, it says between you know, teaching kids between seven and 17. And so for parents listening, and are thinking, Oh, I, I, you know, I, I don't want my, my kids to maybe 
repeat some of my mistakes or I want to make sure, you know, just because just you, you might have done well doesn't need, necessarily mean they will. I want to make sure they're on a solid foundation. And like, I've got a, uh, so I've got a 10 year old and almost eight as well. So like right in the kind of, you know, right. relevant. Yes. So yeah. And I'm aware that all and anything we do, obviously they suck it up like sponges, that sort of age. What are your thoughts? Maybe a 10 year old example. Well, firstly, I love the fact that you're, you know, open to that and, and are conscious of the fact that um, we don't want our children and teens to possibly make the mistakes, if that's the right word, that we yeah. feel that, that we have made. What I, what I would say to that is, is that um, all skills are learnable. And when it comes to getting smart with money, really, all it is, is a skill. If we were having a conversation, you and I right now about, I don't know, learning how to code or play the guitar or how to skateboard or how to speak Spanish, we would know, as indeed all the listeners of, you know, Awaken Your Alpha would know as well, that that's a skill that can be learned. So exactly the same for getting financially smart. It is a skill, therefore it can be learned. And this is one of the things that we teach from an early age. It doesn't have to be this kind of this scary thing that most adults think it is. So because of children's environment, they're probably thinking, gosh, it's going to be overwhelming and scary. Like anything, when it's broken down step by step, there is a, there is a, a process to success. One of the things that we teach very early on is that you can't earn your way to wealth. And that, that alone can be quite a, a galvanizing statement for many adults to hear. And what do we mean by that? What we mean is you are not going to earn your way in your job to being financially free that's almost quite a, a blasphemous thing to say because it's like well, of course you are well you're not you're not any you know things have completely changed yes it's possible like any rule there's always exceptions of course to any rule if you get to the very top in your company after 40 years yes of course you could earn a good salary and you'll probably be comfortable but the statistics that we mentioned earlier state otherwise 95 percent of people are in some sort of debt or scarcity four percent say they're comfortable one percent of people say that they're wealthy so earning your way to wealth is not something that's not the path the path is you event you do eventually need to have a few different income streams and this is something that we teach children and teens from a very early age they don't need to be complicated convoluted things it could be a very simple thing that you might sell a service that you might that you might be good at on fiverr or you might be creative and have a little t-shirt business that you sell on etsy again we're just trying to light the entrepreneurial fire yeah, underneath light, most yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, that most children have probably never even even had this conversation with anybody so there's a few things that we teach from early early on uh, and, and of course this this states the obvious the fact that any child or teen is interested in becoming financially smarter obviously the very nature that they're a child or team is that they have age on their side yeah. and the, the, the stats, the stats and the metrics, if you invest even just a small amount of money every month in something that pays, let's say compounding interest. And we go into exactly what this is. Cause I know for a kid or a teen that can sound dull and boring, but we explain it in an interesting way, just in 10, 15 years, that can, that can put you at high six figure net worth uh, just through getting into a good habit of getting good with your finances. So this is really what we want to teach, that, that financial independence is something that is achievable, but you need to have good habits. You need to understand that there are a few skills that you need to learn. And we essentially teach how to do that all the time under the umbrella of having fun. That's why we call it financial. <laughs> when you was talking about you can't earn your way to wealth, a book popped into my mind. I wondered if you'd read it, The Millionaire Fast Lane. 
Have you read the MJ DeMarco? No, I haven't, but I have heard of it. Is this one yeah. of the messages from the book? Yeah, it's kind of, in the very bluntest way, if you want to, you know, if you want to make any decent money, you've got to be an entrepreneur pretty much. He's very much in, in that camp. There was aspects that reminded me of that. So I was just, yeah, I was interested in your take on it. You'd have an opinion on that book, definitely. And it's, uh, it was recommended to me by someone I interviewed and really good read. And it just- Well, it, I, I completely agree with that. I do think, yeah. you know, ideally long-term, and this is, this is applicable- well, for us as adults as well as children first thing, well i think there's three rules to wealth and we teach this the first one is you must have multiple streams of income that really is the key and they don't need to, they don't need to all be like grand businesses but you yeah. do need to start thinking smartly so you may of course have a job but you we, we teach that 20 percent of everything you make as of immediate effect 20 percent we want you to invest so one thing we teach is to start thinking if you get i don't know ten dollars for babysitting uh, don't think of it as $10. Think of it as $8. And from now on, for the rest of your life, start thinking of 80% of anything you make is what you're living on. And 20%, you're going to invest straight away. Now, this is a habit. And I wish I'd done this at a young age. So if teens and children can start to think, okay, I haven't earned 10 pounds, I've earned eight pounds. Because two pounds, two dollars, two euros, I'm going to invest. And that can be invested in something that pays a very small amount of... Um, yeah dividends or interest and again this allows us to start having multiple streams of income we also teach the importance of starting saving now and we also teach that i guess our overriding thing that we teach is that you must educate yourself all change starts with education i know that you're a, a great student adam of uh, of personal development and you know growth and essentially trying to grow and evolve every day and this is one thing that we teach as well so there's kind of a few kind of if you like staples some laws of finance that we teach in a fun way uh, that do make a huge difference but it comes down to having a habit most adults at the end of the month you know don't really kind of do a budget for the month one thing i do personally for example every month is you know i look at what i've done that month and and i do this myself i'm not just talking the talk i genuinely take 20 percent off and invest i pay take another 20 percent off and save it so you know already i i try and like just think 60 percent of everything i make is essentially my income let's call it because 40 percent of it i don't even think about so this is something we want to teach in children and teens and if this becomes a habit from an early age and most you know adults don't do this but if a, if somebody does this from an early age you are never going to struggle with finances for the rest of your life and it doesn't actually ironically matter how much you put away the important thing is it's a habit of putting 20 percent away let's say every month because over time that's going to return huge dividends particularly if you invest as i say in, in investment vehicles that pay compounding interest let's say and as, as we move into the alpha round, I know we've done this before, but it was a long time ago. So I'm, I'm going to put it in the last five years. Yes. What has, what has been really uh, either a favorite quote? I know we've had a few quotes there that really has summed up maybe your approach to life in the last five years. Any favorite quotes? Gosh, what a great question. Um, I can tell you exactly what it has been. It's been a guy that I've really, really found so impactful is Jordan Peterson. Oh, and, yes. Uh, yeah, no, I... You like him? Wow. I yes. just think everything he says just makes sense. I, I really... I could watch him for hours. Either last Christmas or the Christmas before, got the 12 rules of life. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Dug into that. Well, he that. said many wonderful things. One thing that I think about most days, because it's such a powerful statement, he said, you're not everything you could be, and you know it. And those words for me were like, whoa. That's kind of true. And I suspect everybody listening right now is sort of, if we're honest with ourselves, thinking, do you know what? I'm not everything I could be. But not only that, 
and I know it. <laughs> so the question therefore is like, do we, again, cliche coming up, do we want to live a life where we think we kind of get to the end of our life and think, ah, I didn't really push myself. There's a great book, The Five Regrets of the Dying, that talks all about this. It's by, you probably know this book, Adam. It's by a woman called Bronnie Ware, who was a palliative nurse. And she looked after people that were obviously, as her job suggests, were literally at the end of their life. You know, most of them were cancer patients and they knew they were going to die. They're in hospices and she would see them through the last few weeks of their life. And she, she wrote a blog post that proved so popular, she turned it into a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And the number one regret of the dying is that even at their deathbed, you know, in the last literally hours of life, people still regretted not having had the courage to have done something earlier in their life that they'd thought about. Uh, ironically, it doesn't even matter if that thing had worked or failed. Yeah. Like asking a girl out, let's say, or a guy from 20 years ago. That's a, 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 a bit of a lame example. But my point is, it doesn't even matter if they said yes or no. The fact is, you didn't do it. And even at the end of their life, people still regret it. So what is my point? My point is, we should learn from people like this. We should learn from quotes from Jordan Peterson when he says, you're not everything you could be, and you know it. And so we should think, okay, do you know what? I think he's right. So what can I actually do? What, how can I you know, carry my own burdens and do something difficult and walk up that hill and, and accept suffering voluntarily and not try and get an easy life and actually do difficult things? How can I run hard for six months or 12 months and really think, do you know what? I'm going to do something difficult here. Mm. And that, I think, really impacted me. So to answer your question, you're not everything you could be and you know it. Oh, man. <laughs> Makes me, makes me uh, put hairs on my back. I was going to say, I'm fired up it. now. I was just, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my morning motivation from Chris. There we go. That's awesome. And, uh, How about you? I know that I appreciate you asking me, but I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Is there something that's impacted you over the last five years that you find yourself thinking about? The quotes I like, life shrinks and expands in proportion to one's courage. Oh. And it's nin. I like it's that so one. Fa- I'm fascinated by courage. And it's so funny that we both mentioned, both mentioned because, the word courage. Yeah, so that's, yeah that one is because, you know, when things get, get tough as well or it's tough and you just feel like isolating yourself a bit more. That's yes. a slippery slope I've found because things generally get worse. And then, you know, same yes. thing when you're taking bolder actions, even if that action might not seem bold on the surface, but if it's bolder than you were yesterday, then you're going in the right direction. And the same sort of thing. It just things open up. And yeah, it's, I just remind myself of that one when you are, you feel like, you know, potentially... And I think just to add to that, I think, and this is something that nobody talks about. I think that everybody battles with some sort of anxiety or depression or stress. Mm -hmm. And nobody feels like I can admit that because it's almost seen as a weakness and it's not. And I'm sure there's people listening right now. And I've certainly battled with it where you don't want to say, Oh, I'm feeling a bit down or I'm feeling a bit depressed or because we have this kind of, we, we feel we can't actually say that because it's seen as a failure. I don't think it's a failure. I think it's a strength. I think it's saying, hey, I need a bit of help here. Even if you yeah. look at the word depressed, it's actually deep rest. It often means we just need to kind of breathe and rest. It's like if you see somebody with a broken arm, you can tell they've got a broken arm. But if somebody's mind is a little bit broken, we tend to kind of retreat away from them. So that's why I'm equally interested in mental health. So particularly with social media, we feel that we always have to be on and everybody's life is inverted commas perfect. And you know, everybody's going through something. Wherever you are, if you're listening in the car, in the kitchen, or the gym right now to this podcast, everybody's got stuff that they get, that they're dealing with. So um, I completely agree with you. So um, you're getting me fired up now, Adam. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the other one I've got on there, obviously, I have on the, across the whole wall, Arnold Schwarzenegger, do it, do it now. So that's just to stop me procrastinating. And then uh, I like um, success is never final, Winston Churchill as well. And that just reminds oh. me, you know, you just uh, to do it daily. Just Procrastination <laughs> is a fascinating thing as well. Because again, yeah. that's another thing we all battle with it to some context. Oh, and and again, nobody will admit it. Well, yeah, when I procrastinate, I just that for me, that's that the anxiety really builds then. Yes, it's, it's on your mind, and it's probably something you could have probably done or at least done yep. an aspect of it, and it just builds up. And uh, yeah, I, oh, yeah, it's so <laughs> nice to be able to, it's so nice to be able to say, do you know what? Because I do think everybody battles with some sort of procrastination, and as I say, again, nobody would will admit it because it's seen as a weakness. But I think it's actually a sign that you just want to make a bit of a change in your life, which is a strength. So again, it's, it's you know, if we change the way we look at things, the things we, we look at change. So anyway. Well, we're talking about changes. Obviously, you moved 17 years in um, Los Angeles. You moved back to England. Um, yes. As, as someone who's moved across the, to America and here almost five years now, and especially in the current climate, uh, obviously, my, my family's all in England. They should have been over to visits. There's been visits cancelled and they were hoping to come Christmas or I even go that. We haven't really got that option. I mean, how's that been for you? And what are your thoughts of, and I know this, I see in the news, there seems to be a lot of people moving potentially from California. I don't know how much the news mm. is hyping that up and the homelessness over there and yeah. just like all these different things going on. And how's it to be back in England? Well, I do love America, I have to say, but I have found that in the last couple of years, it's got very, uh, I guess, aggressive is the word. It just feels oppressive and aggressive. I just saw a lot of anger and violence, just like in, I mean, this year alone, Los Angeles has been, I think, had at least four or five times where the army have been called in to like, Santa Monica and Melrose and you know these are big thoroughfare areas and because of just this this feeling of oppression so I don't know I sense there's a whole there's a whole sort of climate of change going on at the moment yeah. so a lot of people I know are leaving uh, are leaving California firstly it's very very expensive to yep. live there right now um, but I do love America but I kind of felt like I suspect you might be similar I've always embraced change I always like trying new yeah stuff so I've been there for 17 years. I'm an American citizen, so I can always go back at any time. But I kind of felt like I've got family over here in the UK and, uh, you know, obviously getting a little bit older and mum and nieces and nephews I wasn't seeing as much. And uh, I also went through a divorce this year. So that was another reason mm. to think, okay, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll re-explore coming back to England. So I, I, say, I do love America. I love the climate. I love living by the ocean. Um, but, uh, but right now, back in beautiful sunny-ish england so i heard on the grapevine are you moving house today or is that i am <laughs> yes <laughs> in fact, around, around, around me right now we got boxes and everything all wrapped up so yes literally today so um yeah wow. so well, you coming to help <laughs> i'd love to uh, so on that are you in quarantine now as well then officially? well that's the funny thing well, actually everyone's locking down this yeah from tomorrow episode, so yeah. it's really quite like you know every every second counts at the moment so yeah, I mean, it's who would have thought? I mean, I know everybody's saying this, but who would have thought even a year ago the word pandemic would have been something in our vocabulary? Yeah. And who would have thought, you know, maybe off going to an office, for example? I read this great report the other day that that could easily be a thing where our, maybe not our kids, but certainly our, our grandkids in history lessons. So they'll be like, what? Granddad? People used to go to a, a big office and they drive in a car for an hour and get a train back. And you'd be like, yeah, they go, why? And we're like, 
that's actually quite a good question. I don't know why. <laughs> so I think everything is changing right now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and well, I mean, it's just to give people an idea as well, when you came on the, the plane, it was like 30, 30 something people on a plane. Of that like was incredible. Yeah, 366. Because uh, I asked the, the, yeah. I asked the, the captain, she said, what is the capacity? He said, 366. And I said, how many on there? He goes, less than 35. Like so, how, yeah, how can that keep going like that? It's I know, just, right? I completely, wow. that's the first thing I thought, yeah. I mean, everything, the, the, as the saying goes, the only constant in life is change. You know, there's a, it's, it's, and the survival of the fittest is how we adapt to change. There's a lot of opportunities here, but things are, things are changing. Offices and businesses and, and commuting, you know, Google, are, they're saying their employees don't need to go back to the office for until the middle of 2021. And even that might not happen. Everything, everything. I read a thing the other day, Adam, that said that 90% of people, 90 are, are going to be reskilling over the next 10 years. So, yeah. you know, nine out of 10 of us in 10 years from now, we all know how quickly time goes, we'll be doing something completely different. And I'm already seeing this. I'm speaking to Uber drivers that were accountants two years ago, and now they're driving an Uber while they explore the next chapter in life. People are reskilling, people are learning new skills online because they know that things are changing. So I think, you know, reinvention and reinventing ourselves is something that is, is paramount and top of most people's minds. So there's certainly an air of change going on. I understand that that can cause anxiety, but at the same yeah. time, it's also quite an opportunity for us to think, okay, I'm going to spend this time reskilling. I'm going to learn a skill during lockdown, let's say. So when, I, when lockdown does eventually lift and it will, I come out with a, with a few more skills. Yeah. Well, on that note, you, I know you did live events and, you know, some great live events. Do you even have thoughts for 2021 or even towards the end of that of, of doing events again and these financial freedom or like what are your thoughts right now? Or is it because it's so much change at the moment, you're just kind of concentrating on things that are not so affected by obviously the pandemic? Well, we, we did want to do a lot of live events. We ideally wanted to kind of, um, if you like, own the, the, the teen entrepreneur niche or child entrepreneur niche and we i mean our big hairy audacious goal as jim collins calls it we saw doing an event once a year where we get you know taylor swift headlining and we give out awards for teen entrepreneurs and that sort of stuff so we 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 would like to kind of sort of own that space and really help facilitate children and teens really explore what they are they are capable of so yes i would love to do live events but of course i think we all know that for at least i i don't know at least eight months of next year I don't think that's really going to happen, no, no. but that is definitely. And I think when it, when it, when it lifts and it will lift, I think we're all going to be kind of like, uh, you know, we're all going to really want to, there's going to be a huge niche, huge opportunity for people that put on events, let's say, because there's going to be so such an increase in mental health at the moment because people are not communicating, yeah. just doing things like this, you know, you and I communicating like this, it's just a wonderful way to reconnect with people. So for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. We're all kind of locked down at the moment, but there will be a reaction to that, as Isaac Newton says. And I suspect that once everything lifts, um, people that organize events, put on events, maybe even somebody listening right now, that could be a business that you explore, will end up doing well because people will want to. We're, we're naturally social creatures, aren't we? Didn't Tony Robbins say that one of the human fundamental uh, desires is to be part of a pack, whether it's a football team or a church group or a scout group or, or whatever. We want to feel that we belong to something. And because it's sort of been removed from our lives at the moment, when the coronavirus lifts, I think we will very quickly want to kind of get back to being social animals. Essentially what I'm building up to here, Adam, is I'm going to be moving in with you. I hope that's okay. <laughs> 
I hope your wife doesn't mind. She went, darling, this Love English it. man that's moved in with us, this is a bit weird. He goes, it's fine, it's fine. Just, just put up with him, it'll <laughs> be fine. We've got space, we've got space in the basement. He'll stay in the basement, there you go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Awesome. Well, link that in connection. So if someone's listening to this and they want their kids to, you know, at least explore this, what's the best way they can connect with you and follow up with the financial freedom? Oh, thanks, Adam. Well, we have a, we have a book which we'd be happy to give away free. It's called uh, Rethink Money for Children and Teens. And it really is a, a terrific read. It's, it's very um, zippy. And what I mean by that is when we set up this business, we did a lot of um, um, due diligence on essentially other businesses, you know, teaching a similar thing. And all the books and courses were just frankly a little bit dull. And a lot of them were really aimed at parents hoping that the parents would then convey that information to their child or teen. Now that alone is quite a disconnect because just knowing something is a totally different skill to being able to communicate it in an interesting manner to somebody else. So we've created this, we've written this book called Rethink Money for Children and Teens. And uh, I'd love to give everyone of your listeners a free copy. You can go to getfunbook.com and download it. And that'd be a great way to get in touch. Getfunbook.com. And I appreciate you even letting me mention that, Adam. No worries. Well, unless there's anything else that you feel needs to be said in terms of uh, this episode. And I, again, whenever I talk to you, I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> at the start, I just keep thinking of smell my cheese, you mother, which again, unless you're English and Alan, you might want to explain that. Up, some people are saying, what the heck is he yeah, talking exactly. about? Exactly. I this really going to, that's a random thing. Unless there's anything else you want to share. Like I just had to get that <laughs> off my chest for some reason to close this out when it comes to you know, kids financials. Um, the floor is yours, but it's been an absolute pleasure today, Chris. Thank you. Well, thanks Adam. I, I would just say that there is, um, we have a wonderful opportunity now, as we briefly mentioned, to reskill and to spend this time effectively. Do a podcast like Adam, or write a book, or set up a website, or create a little business that I, you know, sell on something I sell on Amazon or Etsy or whatever. So let's actually think about how you can actually do that. So well, that's anything I would say. Interestingly, um, had you planned to move back to England before this all kicked off, and what you uh, did, you ever think I, I, would put it on hold? Like, how did that work? I'd thought about it for the last year or so. I had been thinking about yeah. it, yeah. Because the thing is, though, as you know, this, uh, I hope this doesn't sound how this might sound. The world is such a small place now. When you have a business that is essentially virtual, which, which you, you, yours and mine is, really geography makes no, no difference. And I, I hope this doesn't sound ostentatious, but I quite often uh, zip back from Los Angeles to London. And it's so easy you know, it's a 10 hour plane ride. It's a meal. It's, you read a book, you watch a movie, and then you can run your business from a laptop. So I was thinking, you know, let's, let's kind of really explore that. So I might come back to, I might come back to California, you know, in a few years, who knows, but, um, but yeah, it was always my basement in Northern Michigan. Well, I didn't want to say, but I, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> Teach your two kids how to become financially smart. So that's the plan. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been great speaking, Chris. And uh, I hope it isn't five years again till we speak again. Thank you, my man. Well, I hope we get to, to hang eventually once all this is over. And always a pleasure speaking with you, Adam. And thank you to everyone at Awaken Your Alpha for, for your time. I appreciate you, Adam, very much. Cheers. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com forward slash masterclass and you can get this completely free 45 minute 
training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader in under 12 months without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.